Hey, podcast listeners, how do you feel about Hot Dish? Because that is the bulk of today's episode of JJ Meets World. We come up with a new recipe, we talk about judging it, and maybe even a little something about rhubarb. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of JJ Meets World, unless you're getting a colonoscopy, in which case, best of luck. And by the way, if you'd like to help support our podcast, visit jjmeetsworld.com where you can donate to our Patreon, pick up some killer swag at our merch shop, or click the link to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review. One, two, three, four. J.J. Gordon, sort of like that Indiana Jones in that he's always snipping out his next adventure. Yes, he is. He's always interviewing guests so he can have them on his show and they can talk about pop culture, arts, and leisure. J.J. has his flag unfurled and he likes his french fries curled and he's fun and then he twirls as he goes to meet the world. He will march into the rain even if his ankle sprain. Take a peek inside his brain. This podcast is called J.J. Meets World. So is this like hot dish contest season? Like do they all happen at this time of year? Sorry, I was sneezing. Um, it is hot dish season, and um, in fact, if you're going to judge the world by um, the seasons according to food, you've got we're we're just in the midst of cold butter season. Stone fruit season will be next, followed up by grill the grill season, um, and then pumpkin spice uh, become is getting longer every year, um, which is unfortunate. And then you're going to get into stuff nobody likes season, which is usually around the holidays where you make things out of tradition that you've convinced yourself that you like, but you really don't. And then in the doldrums of winter, so right around February, hot dish season is hot. I mean, I've had two consecutive Sundays eaten up by hot dish related uh, content. Yeah. So this weekend, as we, uh, we, we had to rearrange things just a little bit because you are so busy Hot dishing or judging hot dishes. How, how many hot dishes are, did you sample today? Would you so say? So I sampled 15 plus Kudin. <laughs> and uh, at so I was at the Drecker Hot Dish Festival. And this is their sixth annual. And I was a judge the first year. And then they've tapped me to MC it every year since. And they apparently like what I do because they keep asking me back over and over and over again. But today included... Uh, New York Times bestseller, Emmy Award winner, and just all around awesome gal, Molly Yeh, as one of the judges and uh, from the Food Network. And so she and I got a chance to chat a little bit. I got to meet her husband, a gentleman who is apparently the like, I, I don't even know how to explain it. He's like the 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 food empresario of Sioux, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. He's got a bunch of different restaurants that he's launching. I can't even think of who would that would be like. Well, maybe like Ryan Nitschke, a.k.a. Dirty here in the Fargo area. And then Rick Guion, who we got to have on as a guest. Guion would be a great guest. So Rick is the guy who started the Fargo Moorhead Eats page. And um, there's 33,000 people who subscribe to that, who ask everything from where's the best cheese fries to alert. They've got oxtail at this one grocery store right now um, to just general food reviews. I'm actually, I'm hoping to do something with him on a professional level here in the not too distant future. So that was the festival I was at today. I tried 15 samples and then the Coogan, my favorite 
was from a place called Nova, which is inside the Fargo Brewing Company. And their take on hot dish was as a French onion soup hot dish. It had noodles, caramelized onions, these little like fried crunchies. It was really, really good. I could see myself having like a, two scoops of that on a plate easily. The winner um, was from Cows and Co. Creamery out of Carrington, North Dakota. And if you go into Brujala, they've got a cheese case there that's pretty good, including a gelato. And their take was a, a very simple, like a shepherd's pie, where it had ground beef, some veggies, a layer of mashed potatoes, browned mashed potatoes on the top. And then they put a cheese crisp in the like in the center of it to serve it, which is a really nice touch. Uh, not all hot dishes are great. I tried a couple today that I was like, this is gross. One of them I spit <laughs> out into a napkin <laughs> in, in front of them. Did they see you do it? No, they did not see me do it. Shoot. But I was like, it's cold and it's almost entirely mustard. Ew. Oh, yeah. Right. They did not um, do their research on who the judges were. Right, bingo, right? And so last weekend, I judged a competition that was a, a for the North Dakota veterans of veterans honor flight of North Dakota, Minnesota. I judged their hot dish festival that was a fundraiser for them, and they had twelve com, uh, competitors of that. And here's what I will say about hot dish: the scandal of modern hot dish is is this a hot dish? And that mm. question is brought up on a pretty regular basis. Because at the one at the Moorhead American Legion, the winner was a chicken cordon bleu. And I got to admit, it was pretty much just chicken cordon bleu in a big pan. Right? <laughs> yeah. And I think the reason it won is because all the other hot dishes kind of blend <laughs> together. And this one stood out because it had little crispies on the top of it. I mean, so I you're guess, saying like I could show up with a pan full of pulled pork and go, yeah, this is my pulled pork hot dish. Yeah, this is this is Tucker's Deep South pulled pork hot dish. <laughs> then you know really what? Good. <laughs> you might stand a chance of getting in uh, first, second or third place. <laughs> yeah, these uh, these uh, this tray full of meatballs I got from Subway. You call it Subway meatball hot dish. Yeah, there you go. Uh, I mean, in all honesty, you could just put a bunch of like candy on there and be like, this is Skittles <laughs> hot dish. Enjoy. Um, and then I heard this scandal. I heard of a place that does a chili competition every year, like a pretty well-respected chili competition. And if they have 32 entries, there will be 33 chilies to sample because the first one is they take a scoop of everyone's chili except no. for white chili. No. Pop it in a crock pot. No. And serve that. And they said it consistently takes like second or third place. Really? Yeah. And I'm like, that is total and complete bull crap. That sounds that sounds awful. I don't want them to do that at all. I want them to stop doing that right now. I actually feel kind of strongly about this. <laughs> I, trust me. I When they told me, they must have seen the shock in my eyes because they said, don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. And I was like, I, you can't ask me to sleep on something like that. <laughs> That's That seems rather heinous almost. It is. It does. I don't know why. I don't know why I'm having such a strong emotional reaction to it, but I think that's wrong. I think they need to be outed. I think that. Okay. So let's say that you and I were going to enter a hot dish festival. As teammates? As teammates. Yeah. As in fact, we're going to have a pop-up restaurant that's called Juckers and it's JJ and Tucker's. 
Um, it's Juckers. You'll get jucked up, Mother Jucker. And this hot dish is an amalgam of things that we like. So I'm going to tell you right off the bat, because I think I know you well enough, mashed potatoes is our foundation on this hot dish. Okay. But I'm thinking that that is actually the base layer. And what we do is we bake it so that there's like a crusty top to the bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, it's it, it almost, like almost like it's a thick hash brown, but it's yes. a, like, a, like a like a it's like a potato pasty filled with potato. Now, the protein is going to be the thing we have to talk about because the easiest and here's the thing we know we're we're feeding people for like two hours out of these giant pans that can mm-hmm. only be heated with sterno cans. Yeah. So we've got to keep it warm, but not burn it. And so I think the protein, like the easy go-to would be ground beef. It it's holds got, pretty well. I think that's a good idea too, because a lot of the, the, the kind of liquid that will come with that will really sink down into that potato layer and like will continue to cook down there so that even if it's sitting for a little bit, you're going to like, even like it might be almost better to take a piece of it a little bit later when it's been sitting. You know what I mean? Yeah, with that, a, that, con, a congeal factor. Well, yeah, because gravity is going to do its thing, and so you got to. I think one of the nice things about the base that you've chosen is that it's going to retain any of those juices. Let me ask you, what's your feeling on sweet potatoes? I am not into sweet potato. Uh, well, let me let me rephrase that. I love sweet potato fries. Okay, um, but. I, beyond that, I've never had a good time. And I, I, to me, there's, there's a difference between sweet potatoes and yams. Okay. I think there is not, or is there a difference between the two? So let me talk into this because I think the top, no matter what the top has to be crunchy. Okay. Like there needs to be a crunch factor to make it a good hot dish. It's why tater tots and hot dishes go so hand in hand. Okay. So this is my suggestion. The top is this sort of crisscross of sweet potato fries. Oh, I can get into that big time. So, because that way it doesn't feel like it's too much potato. I think if we put tater tots on the top, it's too much potato. Yeah. But we're talking about not super thin, not shoestring thing, but like thinner, crispy sweet potato fries. And the reason I say that is it'll add a sweetness that no, like it's a sweetness that goes so well with savory. Okay. Yeah. No, I think that would work really well. What are we going to do for some veggies? We got to have some kind of a veg in there. And it could just simply be like corn or it could be a mixture of veg. But we got to have something in there. I'm very, very picky when it comes to this kind of a thing. There's very few like mixed veggies that come in cans. I just I, I hate I think they're really gross. I can do corn, um, but I wouldn't be able to handle green beans or carrots or anything like that. How do you I feel about cream cream corn? Yeah, I can do cream corn. Okay, so this is what I'm thinking. Mashed potatoes on the bottom. And like okay. I said, we crisp we put those in the oven and we crisp up the very top of it. So there's kind of like a like a creme brulee crunch punch, punch through layer at the top of that. Uh-huh. And then it's creamed corn on top of that. So that the cream from the corn kind of becomes a little bit of a gravy. Okay, sure. The potatoes that we or the and then we put the ground beef on top of that, and the ground beef should be salty. It should be the thing that brings the like the most salt into the recipe. And I'm not saying that like it tastes like a salt lick, but I'm saying nothing gets salted except for the beef. Well, what's what's like the fat ratio of the beef? Like what's the percentage? Oh, we're we're doing the the fattiest beef possible, like the 75%. Okay. But we will drain the some of the fat off. Okay. So it's not going to be full fat, but like 
There's the fat. Fat is the highway to which flavor travels. <laughs> and then we top it off with those uh, that sweet potato. I think that that we Tucker, we we might have a hell of a hot dish on our hands. That does sound more like that shepherd's pie, though, right? It does sound like a shepherd's pie to me. It does, except for you don't see the potato. At first glance, you're only seeing the sweet potato. <laughs> that doesn't make it not a shepherd's pie. It just because oh, you can't see the potato. Just because you can't see the potato at first doesn't mean it's not there. Oh, listen, listen, my friend. I have judged so many hot dishes now. And while you're correct, it is the same makeup as a shepherd's pie. But... By putting it at the bottom so that you don't see it right away, it is kind of this welcome surprise <laughs> when you put your fork into it because you're being served it in a cup. So you're really only seeing the shoestring and maybe a little bit of that. It's so not you, until you take that first heaping forkful out that you see that. And this is the other thing, too. By having potatoes as the bottom layer, we now have a heat seal where that those potatoes are constantly heating everything that's above it. Because mm-hmm. they retain heat so well, yeah. so that forkful probably has a little steam coming off of it. So you're Delicious thinking in, food steam. You're thinking in terms of like the bite served specifically to the judges, like yeah. how well that will be perceived. I want to win. I'm, I'm not coming there for camaraderie. <laughs> <laughs> Would they ever let you compete in any of these? Since you've judged so many, I think that I probably could. Are you sure? The problem I is, I don't have a restaurant. Scandalous. I need juckers to open. You you do so many events that you should have your own sash. That's just JJ's event sash. When yeah, JJ is dib. when you're like being official, when you are an official part of some event, you know, featuring JJ Gordon as the MC or whatever, you know, you're at a funeral or you're at a cookout or whatever, you should just have a sash. That's actually not a bad idea. Can I amend it? It's it's sash like, but it's actually my food judging bandolier. Okay. <laughs> because it would have to have like a couple bottles of water, some napkins, <laughs> a, a Sharpie, a holder for a Sharpie. And I'm thinking there's something on there too that like is sort of like if I need to, uh, like a red card, like they're like, oh, I've heard about the red card. When he hates something, he slaps it down. And then that their team is disqualified. <laughs> from winning at all um what kind of a market would you like where would you have to move to be able to do this full-time i don't have to move anywhere i just have to grow a mustache and start uh, telling everyone my name is fernando mm-hmm. you need the a problem is, is that my local celebrity is what pays to get me in the door right <laughs> and they're not just gonna let some rando come in there and start, you know, start giving his opinion mm. on whether or not you should be adding noodles or egg, spaghetti noodles or egg noodles into your hot dish. They're going to be like, bounce this guy out of here. Get rid of him. And they'll be like, don't you see? It is me, is, AJ Gordon, who you've trusted for so many years with your hot dish secrets. Is judging a food competition sort of the entree to being a local celebrity. Like that's how we crown local celebritism in this town is if you get to judge a food competition. That's a good question. Um, I want to say yes, but I also think that sometimes like they just, they choose a judge based on like, Oh, so-and-so, you know, like this chili cook off is sponsored by this beer company. And so my buddy is, 
uh, you know, my buddy, my, my, my buddy gerbil is going to be one of the judges for this competition. Cause gerbil, he makes a hell of a chili. And, uh, in fact, his is on this, but we won't, t- we won't tell anybody about it. Gerbil. And also like one time gerbil saved my life. Uh, I was in a bad, bad place and I'd been gambling a lot and gerbil came and picked me up from the shooting star. And he's like, you got quit it, man. You're going to lose your wife. You're going to lose your kids. You're going to lose your job. I can't, I can't cover for you anymore. This isn't college anymore, Steve. You got to get your life together. God damn it. And uh, yeah. So, oh, and also this is Pat, the line cook. That's how they, <laughs> they introduce all, all of the judges. And you'd be like, well, geez, Pat, we're in a, we're in a humdinger here. I, I, I just want to know if there are local celebrities in this town who in their heyday were judging a lot of food competition, but they've been pushed aside for, you know, you and, and some other people. And I want, I want to know if any of them are at home, like, like nursing a grudge about, Oh, it used to be me judging those, judging those hot dish competitions. I'd eat for an entire summer, just, just with my opinion on food. And uh, now that it's just, it's all dried up because you've cornered the market. Can I tell you something that is not, just a you know just something you're saying off the cuff that literally happened to me who was it i i can't tell you who i ousted but they they uh, confronted me about it like two years ago about how they're like i judged this competition for 18 years and now you're just swinging in and you're taking care of us and i'm like i I'm, i'm sorry i but i i i need to get back to judging this competition because i'm a professional (laughs) <laughs> and they were they were pissed and they had to come there and they gave me like opinions they're like I can't believe that that one won what did you do what why did you why did you mess that up and I want to be like you need to calm your body right now holy crap you know JJ someone's going to come for you in the same way you came for them at some I'm point prepared. are you <laughs> yeah i always carry with me um uh contact solution like eye drops <laughs> So that I can uh, pop it in their drink and then they'll get instantly sick (laughs) and they'll be like, oh, God, what are we going to do? And I'll be like, hey, this is a great event. Thanks for having me over. And they're like, oh, JJ, thank God. And then I'll step up and then they'll remember me not only as the person who helped judge, but also they'll remember me as someone who stepped up and was clutch. And so whoever that new hot person is, is gone. And are you saying are you thinking right now, like, did he just admit that he would poison someone? Yes. <laughs> yes, I would. Because I think that those teams deserve a judge, a champion for them who takes this as seriously as I do. Seriously enough to poison. I would not be surprised in the future if your life did inspire some kind of lifetime movie of the week that, you know, like he was the local food judge <laughs> and then like the up and coming talent eight out of again. 10, the JJ Gordon story <laughs> <laughs> who play. Okay. Let me ask you this. Who plays me in the movie? Because I think it's Bobby Moynihan and I'm disappointed. by that. <laughs> I don't know. Actually, I, I would love to see what they could do with a CG and just recreate you. you oh, know? really? I think that'd be pretty interesting. Kind of depends on, I mean, I think we're probably a solid 10 years away from this happening because I think, I think your reign is going to be pretty, pretty strong for a while, but a new class of judging will will happen. New stars will arise. Part of the situation that I'm in is I need to not only get 
somewhat I need to keep being in the good graces of the people who are planning these competitions. But I think the next step is for me to be one of the planners. And so by getting in on the ground floor, it like it keeps you there. It's like being elected into the Senate. Oh, once you're there, you you know, you gotta do a lot to lose your seat. Okay, so here here's an actual I mean, I shouldn't say actually. Here here is a hypothetical I want to take serious for a moment. Okay. Mayor of Fargo calls you into his office and he says, you know, JJ, um, we have the funding to have you do this, but we just don't know what time of year and what the focus is going to be. We want to create uh, an annual food competition here in the city of Fargo to to attract tourism and to uh, give the local population another thing to look forward to. And so you've got the budget, whatever it is you need, you get to name it, you get to pick what kind of food, you get to pick what kind, what time of year this happens and where it happens and how we do it. But we need a food competition and only you can come up with this and you have 24 hours to decide the concept. Okay, I already know what it is. What is it? It's called Taste of Fargo. And what it is, is we take... Um, Let's say Lindenwood Park, very walkable. You know, the parking's not great, but it's it's there. Maybe we run some shuttles. Maybe the old Trollwood is actually better. And so what it is, is restaurants are invited to come and do some kind of a tasting of some item on their menu. It might be a hot dish. It might be Frankfurters. It might be something like that. And you can stroll and taste from as many as you want. But here's the deal. You're not doing a cash transaction with these restaurants. What you're doing is you're using like flavor books. Okay. So you have to go to a booth and buy your flavor books and you can buy them with a credit card if you want. And everything costs the same. So it's like three flavor books for uh, a taste test of whatever is being offered from any restaurant. But you could buy, you know, they might have four things. So you're going to spend 12 flavor books to try everything. At the end of it, everyone turns in their flavor bucks and the city of Fargo gets to keep half the revenue and the restaurants get to keep half the revenue. So ultimately, um, it's a win-win. So the more that the restaurant sells, the more obviously they get out of it, plus the exposure and the more we get out of it. Now, you might be saying, well, so a restaurant has to split some of their profits and they've got to come and like sign up. Why would they want that? Because the budget I'm going to use with the city of Fargo is going to go all into advertising. We are going to have uh, huge stories leading up to this, right? We're going to have multiple entrances and exits so that not everyone is funneling to the same point. Cause the, po- the idea is you got to get them in as fast as possible. You push these restaurants to do stuff that is ready, that they can hand off immediately while still remaining quality. So for example, let's say, uh, let's say worst. Okay. Let's say worst was going to be one of the places I would suggest they do half dogs. So it's half of their three most popular sausages that you can get. And so you can spend three uh, taste bucks and get yourself a <laughs> half of the Philly cheese. They were flavor bucks. They're flavor bucks. They would, you have a better idea. No, no, I just I want you to be consistent because if we're going to create a currency, <laughs> I want to I want to be calling it the right thing. OK, I mean, that that is one thing that maybe I've got a workshop. That's the only thing. Um, Flav- flavor bucks. bucks. <laughs> they're, it's their taste tokens. It's, um, I don't know. It's um, it's uh, it's it's food, food franks. It's got a French theme to it. Um, Why not just have them use money? 
regular dollars? Yeah. Because th- th- I'll tell you, this is exactly why. First and foremost, anyone will tell you it's carnival rules. If you have them buy everything in like flavor bucks, <laughs> you actually come out on top because the odds of someone walking away with only two flavor, bu- like two flavor right. bucks. Do I really want to go buy one more flavor buck so that I can get in there? Like, not. That is 100% a way that you're going to take more money in through that. Number two, um, this way it, it keeps everybody honest, right? Because if you're like, hey, restaurant, how much did you make? They might be like, oh, we only made $200, but really they brought in 500 And also then you don't have to deal with people trying to do credit card processing at every booth. And like if their system isn't as good as this one, and then you don't have to have Wi-Fi the whole, for the whole space. It just it'll, it'll make things go a million times faster, even though they have to stop and get these bucks. And here's the thing. You'll be able to buy flavor bucks in advance <laughs> of the uh, of the the taste of Fargo. You'll, you'll be able to go to like we'll make a deal with like the Casey's where you can go to Casey's and buy flavor bucks in advance, so that when you get there, you don't have to wait in line. You can walk right on over and start sampling your favorite mashed potatoes. <laughs> Something tells me flavor bucks is a terrible idea. I don't know why. I don't know why. I love the fact that you're like doubling down on it. And that, that makes me want to challenge it even more. But uh-huh. I also think like people could probably just use money. No, no, because <laughs> money doesn't keep you honest. Money. And then also, you're asking for a heist. You are just begging for a heist. <laughs> so, okay. So I walk up to the flavor bucks kiosk at a taste of Fargo. Yep. And I swipe a credit card in a reader that someone hands me. Yep. And I buy $20 worth of flavor bucks. $20 US currency equals 20 flavor bucks. 20 flavor bucks worth of 20 flavor bucks worth of flavor bucks. And then do they are they dispensed as paper? Yes. And they have my face on it. <laughs> so so really it's just it's a it really is a money exchange. It is. It's like from a real currency to a false one. Um, but that one that is completely physical and just printed on sheets of paper. Oh no, it's not on paper. They are plat you know, like when you play uh like when you watch movies where there's a casino and they've got the high roller like <laughs> placards. Yeah. So so they're really expensive is what you're saying. Yeah, the first year is going to be fucking it's good. We're going to lose money on the <laughs> first year. They're not super fungible is what you're saying. Not I mean, at, over time, <laughs> we end up making money, but not in that first year. I don't believe anywhere in the pitch originally that you said it had to be cost, you know, like cost positive. Well, I you're right. You are correct. I did not. In, in fact, specifically one, say one, one, this, one would, this one cannot say, bankrupt the city. What one true. would say that it actually shouldn't be cost positive because then you're not actually, do, you know, it's a it's a municipal thing. You're spending taxpayer dollars, and so you uh-huh. should be doing it for the betterment of the community. Uh-huh. And so, if it turns a profit, you you're doing something wrong. Okay. You <laughs> so should you're put not- it into a budget and you should say your budget is a million dollars. Okay. And I can make that happen. Also, I'm going to make the placards myself. <laughs> and I've got a system 
where I'll mark them so that I know when someone is trying to counterfeit them. And that also, that brings me to my next point. The taste of Fargo food police will be there enforcing. And we're going to, on the first day, within the first four hours, have a big show of busting someone for making fake uh, flavor bucks. Is that like how this, the, the secret service is in charge of making sure that the money supply is not tainted in the U S correct. Okay. And we're going to take that person away and we're going to, uh, we're going to have the thing where it's like, go about your business, everybody. You, you know, please enjoy, continue enjoying the taste will, of Fargo. Will but Fargo, things, will Fargo police be allowed to enter the grounds? They will not have jurisdiction. Okay. Only my private flavor police <laughs> will be able to go about and they are going to be fully armed with salt bullets. Okay. And they can use those for taking down criminals or you can ask them to come over if you need some salt on your dish and they'll sure. fire a few rounds of salt bullets into whatever you're eating. You're going to have to throw it up in the air high so that they can hit it. And bam, yeah. bam. And uh, I'll put a little salt right in the middle of whatever you're eating. So how, how long do you think Taste of Fargo runs, would you say? Four days. Four days. Okay. So after that, that last day, um, I mean, you guys are going to like, you're going to pack up all of the things you've built up, right? Like the flavor police will, you know, be decommissioned and can kind of go home and, and, and anyone that you've capped that you've, you've arrested. I mean, I would assume at that point they could go home to their families and stuff, right? Like after four days, this, this would just be done. And then we could just kind of move on and, and take, uh, take Lindenwood park back or maybe North, you know, Trollwood back to, what we we're doing before and, and reestablish the domain of the police force. Um, so that, that's what happens, right? It's after four days that all just goes back to normal. It depends on the will of the people. If they prefer this style of government and they insist on it remaining here because they enjoy taste of Fargo and Supreme Emperor Gordon's style of living, then I think that it, it would be, t it would be tough to, uh, It'd be tough to talk the people out of out of having to relinquish that power. Mm. Okay. Also, I should throw this in there too. Um, there will be balloon animals. Ooh, yes, genetically okay. modified animals that will be replacing real limbs with balloon parts um, for the children to see, not to pet. Uh, but they will be able to see them to show what kind of technology we are we're pushing in Taste of Fargo. Do you see yourself ever actually starting some kind of a festival of some kind? I mean, joking aside, I I want Taste of Chicago is what you know this is all modeled after. I think Taste of Fargo would be massive. I think that people would absolutely. Love it. And I think that we, so you see it when you go to like the Red River Market, right? There's all of these little cottage industries that have popped up that are great on a Saturday morning. But if you had something that was a little more, you know, like that was longer, a little more thought out, um, that, you know, is a little more spread out so that you can have more people, more picnic tables, I think that the public would go gaga for it. When I went to Taste of Chicago years ago, it was amazing because it was, it, not just savory stuff, but desserts. There was a place that had uh, just the best watermelon I'd ever had. And it was just big, huge slices of watermelon for like a dollar fifty. 
And it was superb. It was so good. And I really, I want to do that. I also desperately want to start a rhubarb festival. You, I think you've talked about that before, haven't you? Yeah, I, I've, I've told it to so many people and like maybe this year is the year I get it going. It could be a one day deal. And I think it's something that has a band at the end of it. Um, but during the day, you're sampling rhubarb food. You get someone from the Cass Clay Historical Society to talk about, you know, what rhubarb is. You have rhubarb roots available so that people can buy that because, you know, what people don't realize is there's so many varieties of rhubarb. There are the thick stalks that are mostly green that have huge leaves. You have the thinner red stalks that are so sweet. They're ruby red. And so people should be having multiple breed, like essentially multiple breeds of rhubarb. Like I do. Uh, if the, you know, if you're going to have three rhubarb plants, having three different varieties would make your pies, your jams so much better. Why is rhubarb just sort of everywhere, in, in, like around here? Like people just find it in their yards, just growing. Because I mean, it's it's essentially a weed. More that than is what it is. Okay, um, I, I wasn't quite sure what it was. It's it's in the same family as a thing called burdock, which when you when you plant burdock, it it uh, it grows this like spine with these little like puff balls that uh, look like even if you looked at them under a microscope, they look like uh, hooks like you'd find on Velcro. Okay. And so have you ever seen like where like the little sticker balls get caught on like a dog yeah. when you walk down by the river, that's burdock. And it's virtually the same family. It's prevalent up here because rhubarb grows exponentially during the summer. And it was a sweet way to have like apple pie. You have to wait until the end of the year to get apples. I will have my first harvest of rhubarb before the end of June. Sure. If it's a good year like it was this year, I got three harvests out of it. And so people liked it because it grew so fast. It is almost impossible to kill. It's pretty drought resistant. It comes back every year. It's the first thing that starts growing. It's super hardy. Um, animals don't go for it because the leaves contain a poison. It's just, I mean, it's a, it's a really stellar vegetable that has natural sweetness and tartness. I mean, people used to talk about how they would just, pick a piece of rhubarb and maybe like dip the end in sugar and chew on it. And that was like a treat for them at grandma and grandpa's house. Mm. Yeah. I, I, I've always enjoyed it in, in pies or if I've had it like in a bread before was, was really, really tasty, but uh, muffins I think is phenomenal. Yeah. I, I, I have such a, they should include it with rhubarb or with I, have, berry. I have such a sweet tooth that I would probably attend any festival that was devoted to some kind of sweet food for sure. Um, like I, like it's kind of a problem. Like I have to, I've had to kind of cut back on how much sugar I take in because I've just, I just taken too much. Cause in the evening, like that's the only thing I want is something sweet. Really? Yeah, I don't know where that comes from. What do you use to what like what are you using to bite that these days? Well, if if it's just like a normal weekday and I and I'm trying to not do that on a normal weekday, I'll do something as simple as uh you know, jam and butter on toast. Um so that I'm getting a little sweet thing like that or I'll even just have a banana or an apple. Um but when it's like the weekend and so I'm going to let myself <laughs> cut loose oh i mean it could be all sorts of stuff this weekend i hit the dq blizzards really hard yeah um snickerdoodle cookie dough blizzards 
are my Ooh. absolute thing these days. Absolute. I just, my brain goes into an, an, a new realm of, of pleasure with that. Um, <laughs> but I also dig the sugar cookies at Hornbacher's that have like an inch of frosting on top of them. Yeah. Th- yeah those are do. awesome. And with those, I always have to have a, a cold thing of milk right next to it to chug right afterwards. So what, uh, what percentage of milk are you drinking these days? I'm a 2% milk guy. Yeah. Yeah. Recently, yeah. my wife uh, got me into whole milk. Okay. I can and, see myself uh, getting into it. I just haven't really messed around with it. I, I, I'm surprised at how much seeing the blue 2% carton has affected me psychologically over the years. Really? So like, it, like if I see milk not come out of that, I'm like, oh, this isn't going to taste good, which I'm sure it'll just taste totally fine. Interesting. I mean, to me, when I see a glass of milk, all that matters to me is that when I touch it, it's cold. Yeah. Ice cold. Like, right. like, like absolutely cold. Like if I touch that glass of milk and it's, it's room temperature. Pouring it out. I, I'm not going to, yeah, I'm not going to drink it. Not going to drink no. it all. No one should touch that. It's just, it's, just it's wasted. That, right. Wasted. And I think it should be chugged. I think it really I, should be. I, yeah. I mean, like, like for me, I don't think milk is, I'm just going to sit here and sip some milk because it's going to get warm over time. Um, it's usually like the only, t- the only time I ever have milk is if I am using it to help consume some kind of sweet thing, some kind of a, yeah, I've had a, you know, maybe a fudge brownie or a cookie or something. And it goes so well with that. I don't know what it is about milk that it does to like your taste buds after they've had sugar roll over them, but it's, it's perfect. Um, do you remember the campaign? I'm sure you do. Got milk. Oh yeah. Okay. So hear me out on this. What if their slogan was got milk idiot. (laughs) So you're inferring that whoever you're asking, you're asking them if they have milk or, and they're already an idiot. Yeah. So I'm trying to understand, does having the milk make them the idiot or is it, do you not have milk? You idiot. It already shows how little respect you have for them. It or it, I mean, it seems to, to it seems that the person speaking thinks you are an idiot, regardless of whether you have milk or not. They clearly don't know if you have milk or not. They're asking you, but they're still calling you idiot. Yeah, there's some truth there. There's truth. I think that uh, it'd probably be better if it was got milk, buddy. Like, cause that infers both like disrespect, but also like friendliness. Well, you know, what's funny about that, uh, campaign though, is it was so successful, but all it, all it really did was ask you a question. That's all it did. Yeah. It's just, Hey, do you have this? That's it. (laughs) It Um, wasn't, Hey, um, this, you hear the many benefits for why you should be drinking milk. It was just, Hey, do you have this? Maybe it should be like our, our new slogan should be like, like podcasts. And then if they say yes, we'd be like, cool, cool. Um, I belong to a subreddit yeah, called Hydro yeah. Homies. Really? And uh, we're all about drinking water. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. And it's it's literally people posting photos of like the ice water they're about to drink. And like, oh, I just poured me a cool glass of H2O. And then people chime in on how good it looks. Oh, that's a, I kind of want water right now. Yeah, fact, I just we, chugged some. 
can we end this podcast so I can go drink water? That's going to wrap it up for today's show. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to help us continue to produce new episodes each week, visit jjmeetsworld.com where you can donate to our Patreon, pick up some swag at the merch shop, or follow our link to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. You can also follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, all the sites the cool kids are using these days. JJ Meets World is produced every week by Tucker Lucas. You can find out more about Tucker's work by visiting moonbasemaria.com. If you want to get in touch with your host with the most, check out linebenders.com where you can find direct contact info for JJ or booking information. I think the only thing that you shouldn't put in a hot dish is, um, is metal. Because you're not supposed to eat metal. We're not robots.